Where in time is Carmen San Diego? It's Amigos Everything Amiga, episode 295. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about where in time is Carmen Sandiego. Mm -hmm. Now, Aaron, have you ever wanted to to travel through time? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a Doctor Who fan, for God's sakes. Now, are you one of these people that would like to, you know, use your time machine? If you had a limited use time machine, would you rather go to eras beyond your own and see, you know, experience life or... Would you rather travel back in time and change things in your own past to improve your future? Hmm. It's an interesting conundrum there. If I could only go forward or backward for a couple trips, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, going forward might get real scary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because what if you go yeah. forward? You remember, if you remember H.G. Wells' time machine, the, the film, which was great. Mm-hmm. He went forward so far that everything turned to crap. <laughs> and yeah. the Morlocks took over the earth. So I would probably I'd probably go backwards. And I would would I warn myself of impending stupidity? I know me pretty good and I think deep down I realized that, that I was gonna be stupid early on. I'm not sure anything would change if I went back and said, Hey, you're gonna do some dumb stuff. I'd be like, Yeah, I know. Now what if you what if you could just go back now, what if we change the rules a little bit and we say you can go back in time but you can't actually alter anything. You can just sort of live your life for a while in a previous time, but you know, before now. Would you go back to the halcyon days of Lexington, or would you just spend a week or two back out on the mountain? Oh, so what? So you're saying I could just go hang out and be myself from back then? Right. Right. Oh, well, you'd want to go when it was you were really kicking it. So yeah, I'd probably would go back to the halcyon days of Lexington. Although, to be honest with you, I'm pretty happy right now. So I'm not sure I've ever been happier than I am now. If I, as cheesy as that sounds, so I might not have to go anywhere with the time machine. What about you? Well, I mean, I I am pretty happy now, and I I, I definitely have seen enough uh, time-related movies that I wouldn't want to change anything in my past for fear that I would make things even worse than they are now. Because let's face it, I've got it pretty good right now. Yeah, I was gonna I say wanna, I, you could botch it. it how, would it, would it take much to screw up the the whole thing? I mean, I can think of various times in my life that, like, if I would have taken a phone call or if I would have gone, turned left, or cetera, I mean, things would have been totally different. So yeah. uh, I definitely wouldn't want to. But in terms of just, like, going back and, and living some time, you know, I'd probably go back to middle school, Star Trek Club, lunchtime, me and Chad. Man. I mean, that, it never got any better. It, it never, never got changed, any better. Boat. You than still do that stuff. pictures of starships. <laughs> you just and have more elaborate like lunches. you were a lieutenant commander. I mean, it never got any better than that. So. You know, so, uh, the plot of this game, not to give it away, but you're, it's basically a manhunt through time, right? That's the whole plan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Have you seen any films that you can... That I, I can think of a few films that kind of match up with this. Uh, that, like, for example, Time Cop. Did you ever see Time Cop with John no, Claude but they made, they, I think there's an Amiga game called Time Cop, there isn't there? Uh, you got me. But Time Cop was a, a pretty cool flick where you had to go through time and capture villains. Mm-hmm. Another one that I recall, if you ever watched the Trancers series... It's sort of B-level movie. It stars Jack Death. Is that Jack the one Death. with the Muppets in it? There's no, no, ain't no Muppets in this, man. Oh. This stars Jack Death, and in the future, they can transport you back through time into your ancestors. That's the gimmick. So you. What about uh, where? Where do you stand on Quantum Leap? 
You know, I think Quantum Leap's a pretty good show. I just never got into it. I mean, I like the mm-hmm. concept and stuff. You know, then you had your uh, you had your Voyagers. Those guys went through time to change stuff. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. No, that ring a bell to you. These guys have no, a magic stopwatch. They go through time. I did watch the uh, what was the movie with River Phoenix, where they they uh, they built the, the 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 spaceship out of the old carnival ride. Oh, that sucked. I saw that in the theater. Was that time travel enabled? I can't I remember if it I don't was. Think or so. I think it was just. Oh. I didn't like that movie, and I paid to see that thing too, man. I, was, I didn't like mm. that. I don't think that was time time travel. Whatever. Now, I, you're not. What do you think tra- about all the episodes of Star Trek where time travel is involved? It's almost always a disaster, isn't it? Yeah, I, mean, I they hate get those a, are the worst episodes. Well, I hate the those. classic series, dude, you got a couple of ha-ha moments that were okay, <laughs> but man, the next iteration and, and also the films, they should, and the thing is they just beat that to death. They beat yeah. it to death. And if you watch that show Enterprise that was out, ironically starring the guy from uh, Quantum Leap, they, time travel ruined that show because they were after some time traveling alien race, a bunch of baloney. Can't a spaceship mm-hmm. just go see some proper aliens, blow up some Klingons? That's what I like. That's yeah. what we give all me the bad, want. Give me the bad guy of the week or the weird alien of the week. Don't send me back to freaking... That, those those episodes of DS9 where they went back to Las Vegas, and then the Frank Sinatra guy, Vic Fontaine, he actually became like a regular character on the show. And he, I guess these were all holodeck things, but he actually was able to leave the holodeck and doobie-doobie-doo, you know, Sinatra around the bridge. Don't you remember the one where Moriarty could leave the holodeck because of the Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> it's, it's, what the hell were they so thinking? Stupid. The holodeck, crap! You can't yeah. leave the holodeck. That'd be <laughs> like if you were watching your uh, three, what are those, what's that new VR setup you picked up? If you're watching that and all of a sudden... One of the creatures somehow crawls out of the lens. It's like it's unlikely. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah. So anyway, that is uh, that's our thoughts on time travel. We'll we'll get more into Carmen in just a second. But before we do, Aaron, why don't we give everybody a rundown of this week's hottest Amiga news? Amiga news. All right, Aaron. Our first story of the week comes to us from our good friend and Amigo supporter, Anthony Jarvis. It's the Amiga Show. It's back. This is episode five. Aaron, uh, have you given this one a watch yet? Absolutely. In fact, I just watched this uh, this past evening when I came off the road. And this was just... This, this is... A, well, I mean, I liked every one of these, but this one's at least near the top of the list. I just thought this was great. And my favorite part of the episode, well, there's two things I really like. This is, he goes through a couple old Amiga magazines, and he really gives you a good flavor for the magazines, which I really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can flip to the pages or whatever, but he really, he kind of sums it up and sums up the feeling at the time. Uh, yeah. I really like that. But he looks at some games. He looks at Bubble Bob. Well, he looks at, but the thing I really enjoyed was his look at this ga- uh, this Haley's Comet game. Uh, and I think you dug it too, didn't you, Boat? This is one of the most, I mean, this is ostensibly an edutainment title. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, an edutainment title um, where uh, it's, it's called The Haley Project. And it came out as, uh, you know, the world was enraptured with the, uh, the the appearance of Haley's Comet in 1986. Do you remember when this happened in real life, Aaron? I loved it. I loved it. I was just talking to my boy about this, like, because he was watching this with me. And I was trying to explain what it was like to walk outside. And it became commonplace when you looked up at the sky to see Haley's Comet in broad daylight with no, you didn't need any sort of uh, 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 binoculars or telescope. It was just up there. You could see it. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And I was so, yeah. I so I feel so fortunate to have been around 
when it was it's when it's such uh so easily viewable and so it was around for i can't remember like i don't know how long was it around a month or whatever it was around for a while but it was awesome i, I was loved it. i was pretty young i remember my dad taking me outside and, and us looking at it but you know i was only five years old in yeah. 1986 so it was it was a, pr- a pretty hazy memory for me but uh yeah. this game on the other hand is an amazing game so what you do in this game is you actually travel to different planets and uh, from Halley's Comet, and you look out, and you can look out on, uh, you have different missions that you complete where you're traveling to different places. This game looks incredibly cool. Yeah. The, uh, the the cockpit view looks like it's straight out of, uh, like, Elite. It, looked, or it, a re- it actually kind of reminds me of Rescue on Practice. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> we're, we're talking about that on the Coco Show yeah. coming up here soon. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is... This, this really looks cool. It yeah. really looks cool. And he it was he he did a great job of explaining it. Just I just love that whole part of it. Uh, Anthony's got a great voice for this sort of work, and he's got a good touch. It's just it's, mm-hmm. it's just an excellent show. I really enjoyed it. Can't say enough uh, enough of, uh, good things about it, Boat. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Aaron. Moving on down the line, uh, Nog is back, Aaron. This is the Norwegian Amiga user group. That may or may not be what these things actually stand for, but uh, if you look at that video from five days ago, Aaron. Yes, sir. The uh, yeah, this is uh, some soldering on an Amiga TF accelerator board. I believe it was our own Refi reflection. That uh, that this is basically, you know, he just turned the camera on, and you get to see some awesome uh, soldering action. Where do you stand on the old SMD soldering, Aaron? Um, uh, I stand firmly in favor of it. I don't know what to say. This is, a, I think, it's a surface mounted something. Is that uh, what SMD? Well, you're a soldering guy, so listen, I, I'll tell you what it stands for. Is is it's it's no no easy task. Mm. Uh, to do now, I have not seen this. This is the first time, the first I'm seeing of it. So what he's doing here is just basically pinning these legs down. You've got incredibly fine legs on these on a modern chip, and so it requires not only a steady hand, but if, I mean, especially if you've got the right equipment, it's not too bad. Uh, but man, it could be a real problem. And then actually mounting like a. a BGA chips, it's it's not impossible to do without a machine, and so that stuff mm. uh, I don't, and I don't see anything on here that he's going to be doing that on. But yeah, this looks still, like he's got he's got this mounted in a vice. That's right. That seems kind of crazy. It's a, it's a PCB holder. That's what you use. Oh, when you're, okay. Yeah, it's not that unusual. And see, right here, it looks like he's uh, uh, to me, it looks like maybe he was adding some solder to something. I don't know what he's got in mind here. Like I said, I have not seen this. I don't know exactly. Oh, he's looks like he's putting some caps down and some resistors. Yeah, this is yeah. heady. This is heady work, man. I I don't have the uh, patience, the eyesight, or the gumption to fool with this that much anymore. To be completely honest with you, but uh, yeah, I salute to him. No, this stuff's and it's also just it's not fun. I'll tell you that right now. It's, it's, right. If you screw, well, up, it seems you, like there's you, a, there's a lot, a lot of, of ways that you can you can screw something up and there's no coming back from it. So well, as long as you don't lift anything, you're okay. But I mean, you could pull pads and stuff, and then if you pull enough pads or the right pads, you're screwed. That's mm-hmm. the end of it. So yeah, it's tough. yeah, yeah. And uh, we're informed by Pixels at Dawn. Thank you, Pix, in the chat. That it is the uh, the NAUG stands for Nesodin Amiga User Group. So uh, so Duh. there you go. Yeah, yeah. And SMD stands for Surface Mounted Device. Right. So we're, we've got all the acronyms are covered by the chat. That's why that's that's why we love them. All right, Aaron. We're gonna move on to the next video.
So coming up next, uh, we have there is a new game for the Amiga. This is called Putter, and this is sort of an interesting uh, concept for a game. Um, imagine if you were a frog and your job was to kick a potato into a golf hole. Mm, okay. Have I, I won it. you over yet? Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. So this is uh, this is a game. It's a side scrolling. There there have been golf games like this before. I believe Worms Golf is like this. If you ever played the classic, I, I do own Worms Golf actually. Yeah. If you ever played the classic game Worms Golf, it is a two D. It's also a two D uh, golf game. Do you actually think um, it's a classic? No, it's horrible. No, it's, uh, it's not was, bad. Me and, me and the boy play it. We, we think it's fun. It's actually. This I don't. Is nothing I don't like think that. it's that much fun. Well, I also don't enjoy like Worms Pinball. Oh yeah, that, that's no good. I'll give you that yeah. one. Um, but anyway, um, this is uh, this is one of those games, Aaron, that uh, was made with the Red Pill game development engine. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember what the uh, what what the thing about Red Pill is? I don't. The thing about Red Pill is you got to have a monster Amiga to oh, run yeah? this. Thing. Does this have? Yeah. It says here you've got to have, have a, an, an overclocked O20 required for optimal gameplay. You know, and if you look at this thing, this doesn't look like a game that should require it. But that's the that's the thing when you use that red pill development engine, you just need to have a beefy Amiga. So be um, be aware that that is now. On the plus side, if you look at the boxed edition there, Aaron, if you look at that link there on the on the page yeah. is down. Um, this game is very cheap. Uh, I looked this up. This is this is for sale in Poland. It's forty three Z's Z I's as they say. That's uh -huh. nobody says that. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, but yeah. I did the currency conversion, and as far as I can tell, this game is only like eleven dollars for the boxed version. Yeah. You know, Zloty. Thank you, thank you, Frodo. It's it's forty three Zloty. Forty three Zloty is about eleven bucks U S. You can get yourself a boxed version. So, uh, if you're deal. looking for a relatively cheap boxed Amiga game, and if you've got a, a jacked Amiga, give Putter a try. I will say this, Boat. This does hurt. This is the only golf game I've ever played that uh, that almost perfectly captures me on the golf course. I hit the ball, <laughs> and then I just sort of kick it until it goes in the hole and no one, make sure no one's the looking. Foot wedge, right, eh? right, yeah. right down to under par and then keep on trucking. That's the Aaron way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Aaron, we're going to keep on trucking with a video from a channel that I'd never heard of before. You know, we always like to spotlight uh, new uh, channels about the Amiga on the YouTube. And this guy, his, his channel is actually called the Amiga Guy. So you know, first you had the iBook Guy or whatever his I name was. I stumbled upon this guy myself this week, ironically. Really? Yeah, I saw this Really? Too. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe he's gone viral. So this is a guy from from somewhere in the UK, and uh, he's he's uh, demonstrating a program called D Demo Maniac, and this is a pretty cool uh, tool that you can use to kind of create your own demos using pre-rendered graphics and text tools. If you're like us and you don't really have <laughs> the programming skills to pay the bills, but you want to put together something that looks halfway decent. This is the way to do it. You can get your spinning cubes and your geometric designs and then make your text fly in. It's not, you were just, you read about mine because I was thinking, well, so, man, we could probably use this to pitch Amigathon or something and look like real studs. That's <laughs> we right. We should have never That's covered right. this. We should have never covered this. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag now, Boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, if That's you want to awesome, check out though. this guy... He gives a very uh, a very uh, in-depth explanation of how Demo Maniac works about the demo scene in general, about how you need to do things without it. You know, you have to know Assembler and all this stuff. So uh, Demo Maniac seems like a cool thing. And give uh, the Amiga guy a look on YouTube. 
Yeah, bam. I like it. Good find, Boaster. Oh, the Amiga guy is from New Zealand. There Pixels you go. of Dawn points out. Not from the I UK. I from the that. UK because his accent was a lot different. Mm. Carry on. All right. So we're going to go on next to Alina. This is a transparent. Oh, this this comes to us from the uh, the uh, AmigaNews.de site. And these are transparent plastic covers for the uh, for the CD32. Oh. As we all know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the CD32 is becoming more and more rare, becoming more and more valuable. And maybe you want to display yes. this thing, and you don't want to hide it under a dust cover. You know, I'm not a big fan. I realize that some people have to use dust covers because they live in dusty environments, or maybe they keep their windows open all the time or whatever. But I normally am not a dust cover guy because I like to look over at the shelf and see the thing there. This is a great solution for people that want to display their CD32 and keep it protected. Uh, these things sell for 30 euro, and uh, they are extremely form-fitting, Aaron. So what do you think about this thing? 30 euro? That's kind of pricey, isn't it? A little bit pricey. A little bit pricey. For a, piece uh, of, for a hunk of pla a molded plastic? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, the, I, I don't know. there's a hillbilly uh, version of this boat. I don't know if you heard about mm -hmm. it. What you do is you go and get you some saran wrap. I, that was the first thing that I thought of, too. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just pull it right over that sucker. Bam, you're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, and here's the thing. You can do that with any of your systems. You don't even have to wait for a custom version to come out. Of course, just wrap a, that bad boy up. The Aaron version is just don't cover them at all. And occasionally, in fact, it's funny because right before we went on the air, I was like, hey, these Amigas back here might be on camera. Better wipe off the dust. And I got myself some. I was like, <laughs> wiped them all up. Got them shined up. I was like, bam, good to go. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Aaron, our final Amiga News story of the week is that last week, of course, the revision demo competition was held, uh, and it was held online again this year. And uh, the winner was for the Amiga competition was a demo called Planet Disco Balls. Yeah, and this comes to us yeah. from the demo group Planet Jazz. This is right up your alley, Aaron. You got that right. Um this runs on a an Amiga 500, yeah. so you don't need any any special hardware, as far as I can tell. And it is pretty amazing, all of the different geometric shapes. It's got you know one of those demo soundtracks, and uh, yeah, pretty cool. A big part of this video, of course, is all the shout-outs that you got to give. You you don't have a proper demo without some shout-outs. Yeah, did we did we see anybody in there? We know. I think I saw one person on there. I know. Hey, listen, I heard this uh, uh, revision was off the charts. I heard they had some uh, 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 issues with the stream yeah. host, but aside from that, because they were a little too prudish, perhaps. But aside from well, that, that's I heard a, this that, awesome. that's a big a, a big story in this week's this week in retro. Uh, oh, if, yeah? you, if you listen to that uh, coming out, it's going to come out on Sunday. Neil and I go deep into the nipple controversy of uh, of revision twenty twenty one. So uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. It's it is funny if you consider how outright sleazy that parts of Twitch are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, but hey, who am I to judge, Boat? But this looks great. Yeah. And this demo, I haven't got to see any of this stuff. I've got, I had a super busy week. I haven't got to, I didn't get to see the winners or anything. So this looks great. So this is definitely on my, on my short list, Boat. Very, very good. All right. And finally, Aaron, we have our new Amiga hardware pick of the week from our friend over at Retro Rewind. Uh, this is the Amiga 500 or Amiga 2000 CPU Relocator. Oh, yes. 
Now, this thing, of course, there are so many different additions and upgrades that you can put on your Amiga. Sometimes all that stuff just doesn't fit in there in its original configuration. So what this does is this adapter fits onto the 68,000 CPU uh, a socket of an Amiga 500 or 2000 and moves it just by 90 degrees. It just it puts it in a different direction. It lets you fit an accelerator like the Terrible Fire or the Witcher or the Vampire into the 500 or 2000 CPU socket. So uh, that that seems like a pretty essential piece of kit. Yeah, it, it is. You know, there was a time before you could buy one of these, and I saw people kind of bodging them up and wiring them up. It's so much easier when you can just pick one up cheap and throw it in. It's amazing that people have uh, molded and 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 tuned these old computers to put all this new stuff in them you know it's <laughs> it's glorious frankly and it's great yeah, to see it's great yeah and this thing is not too bad either 23 bucks gets you in the door and you can save 10 percent off this or any order from retro rewind just use the promo code amigos 10 at checkout save 10 percent we do thank retro rewind for sponsoring this episode of amigos absolutely all right aaron it's time to step into the chrono skimmer. It's time to talk about where in time is Carmen San Diego. Bam. Right there with you. Now, uh, Boat, the Carmen San Diego games. What's your, just a broad opinion. Before we get into this one, was this part of your uh, upbringing at school? Did you guys ever use this? Absolutely. It really? Was. This was one of the first computer games that I played at school. Because uh, in my school at Hurricane Town, I sort of was right in the middle of like a com big computer like trade off where when I came to the school, we had a bunch of Ataris. You know, you, we, as you know, uh, Atari must have signed a big deal with uh, the Putnam County schools because yeah. they were all over the place. Yeah, we had them when I However, was in by the too. time. By the time that I arrived when I was in fifth grade, which was around 1990, 91, something like that, um, the, uh, they, they were kind of long in the tooth. And so uh, we got uh, every classroom, at least, at least my classroom, I assume all the classrooms, got uh, two all-in-one uh, 380, they were either 386 or 286 machines, but they were the old PS2 style IBMs, you know what I'm talking about, the all-in-one units? Yes, absolutely. We had those when I was in high school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what uh, that's what we got. And uh, and on those machines, we, we really didn't have any software, so people would bring in software from home. They would basically bring in pirated software that we would run on the, on the computers. And so I remember playing this, and I remember playing King's Quest, uh, just sitting in the back of the room, and uh, and doing that during during recess time. It's funny because I'll tell you, we when I was in school, they had just put together the computer lab with the Ataris. We I never went in there. Okay, I mean it was just put together. In fact, I'm not even sure it was built when I was there. But when we got to high school, we did have some of the uh, Atari or the uh, IBM uh, VGA. Uh, uh, machines, the very early ones. And in fact, I think we had a couple CGA ones as well. And the only games that I remember ever playing on these, or I mean, this the only time we ever touched these machines was to play mm -hmm. Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. That's yeah. all we... Oh, and, and occasionally someone would bring in some uh, questionable pictures to show us on them. That's the only mm -hmm. time they ever got used. And this was computer class. It was right. not a good computer class, and the teacher yeah. was summarily booted a few years down the road. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it was computer class. So, but no, we never. I never. This is the first time I've played this particular uh, Carmen Sandiego. So again, we're looking at where in time. 
Yes. Carmen San Diego boat. Uh, release a 90 on the Amiga. Uh, two discs uh, for the ECS OCS. Uh, this was put out by Broder Bund, which that's they did a lot of kind of these sorts of titles. Designed by a, a fellow named Gene Portwood and a lady named Lauren Elliott. Uh, and this is part, of, of course, of the Carmen San Diego uh, titles. There were quite a few of these uh, from back in the day, and and of course the series spawned, I believe, a cartoon. And there was also this particular game spawned like a game show. Did you ever see the? Yeah, show? There, there were there were there were two live action shows. Yeah. The first one was based off Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego. Yeah. Then when this game came out a couple years later, there was the Where in Time Is Carmen San Diego. But both of the shows came many years after the game. Games debuted. Yeah. I think that the the first show was. I think the first the first show came out in like ninety two or ninety three, and then Where in Time was like ninety seven or something like that. So it crazy. it's kind of weird why they didn't capitalize on it right away. But hey, it worked because that those shows were really popular. That was another part of my youth. Was yeah. in school, we'd have like, you know, whenever we'd watch TV, uh, that was always one of the shows that the teacher would put on for us. I've never seen the show, but according to my uh, research here, uh, the Time one was on from 96 to 98 on PBS, public broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you think about it, that's a. This this game uh, captured everyone's attention for a long time. I, I, yeah, you know, so you got to give kudos to it for that. Uh, this, of course, came out. Broderbund played all the fields back in the day. Uh, you had an Apple II version, a C sixty four version, DOS, uh, the NES, the Super NES, and the Genesis slash Mega Drive all got ports of this. I couldn't determine wh- what the uh, lead port, the lead game on this was, and no one knew. So, so there's no way to know. It could have been the Amiga. Yeah. I'm not whatever. So I it, it probably was. A, I would say, knowing that this came from a U.S. based developer, I would say that DOS was the lead platform, but the Amiga Apple. version is identical. I've been surprised how many Apple II uh, leads that there have been. It, this uh, definitely. I mean the 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 Apple II version. Of the, are you talking about in 1990? The lead version well, of this would have been. Hey, but they did put one out, so you never know. Well, yeah, because the the original game now. On the original game from 1985, that could have been a lead yeah, Apple yeah. II. I'd say it would be more likely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what is this game? This is a game where uh, you're a detective, and you're basically going through time to uh, capture people that are screwing up time, generally by stealing stuff, uh, or, or generally doing stuff that is messing up time. So, when you log into the game, I will say, Boat, we've seen a lot of games. The uh, uh, menu system for this is very clever, isn't it? Yes. It's uh you, so you, go ahead. In in this game, you know, it, they could have they could have taken the easy way out with a game like this. They could have just put you in the time machine right away and said, "Hey, go." Yeah. But instead what they do is they actually introduce you as a new private detective. And so you have to go into the building, you have to take the elevator up to personnel, you have to sign a waiver, you know, saying that it, you know, anything that happens to you we're not responsible. Then you get the you get the tour yeah, of the and I of love course that. you can yeah you can you can look around this 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 building is falling apart it looks like this this detective agency is kind of down on its luck uh, you've got a coffee machine that doesn't work you've got a science lab that has all kinds of like crazy experiments that don't go right um, but <coughs> basically what happens is you meet uh, you know you 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 after you sign the waiver you basically start off on your quest okay. And uh, the game basically takes place from within a uh, within a uh, a time the time machine the chrono skimmer yeah. if you will. So even though the majority of the game does take place 
on a single kind of static screen, being able to leave the time machine and go visit the uh, the, the crime division of the uh, the uh, Acme Detective Agency, it's it's a it's a pretty neat sort of world building device. I think it's literally the most traveling you do in the game outside of the time machine is when yeah. you're in the building. And what I like is when you leave the building, it just exits the game. <laughs> yeah, like. and if you're not prepared for it, like it doesn't actually say like, hey, you're actually going to leave the game. Yeah. At first when I did it, I was like, man, I wonder if I can like walk around outside right. nope right, right back to no. the desktop so no. i also like how the agents you talk to always stress how incredibly dangerous this job is you know like and they make you sign the waiver it's very well done uh when you go to the hall of fame it just it they've got a which the, on the top four they just have the list of all your best scores if you go to the mm-hmm. basement it's got a list of all the safe players uh they've done a good job with that stuff and and uh, it adds a lot of ambiance to the game so once you get your, uh, you they give you your rank, which I think is like is like time cadet or something like that. They give you your Chronos machine, and then the the uh, chief will give you a mission, and the mission can be any sort of thing. Someone could be uh, stealing an artifact, which is that's a lot of times that's what it is, and they will ha- it will generally it will give you a a, a a a crime where the crime took place. And then it will pre-program your time machine to send you there. And that's the beginning right. so of So just to hunt. give you an example, it'll be like, somebody stole the statue of Neptune from ancient Greece. Yeah. And it's like, let's go investigate. And that's where you'll start your investigation. And it gives from. you a year. It'll be like, what you yeah. know, whatever. Like the one, in the, if you watch the video, someone stole Rasputin's monk. They send you back to 1915 Russia. And that's where you start. So once, you, once the game sends you back there, you're sort of on your own from this point. Uh, in terms of how you investigate this. Now, every time crime gives you, they give you a certain amount of hours to solve the puzzle, to, to capture the bad guy. And right. if you go to the end of that time, that's it. The chief comes in, he gives you the bad mouth, and then they take you off the case and start another case. So the time's mm-hmm. important. And, they, and the time uh, usage is simulated by basically how much investigating it takes you to figure out which, where to go next. Because ultimately, yeah, so there's that's there's the a couple is. different ways that you can waste time. So whenever you talk to one of the three, or whenever you talk to your witness or your informant, that takes a couple hours. Uh, whenever you put together your dossier or whenever you put together the evidence, I believe that that takes one hour. The big thing is time travel. The big yeah. thing is time travel. That's that takes four hours or more of time, depending on how far or how you know close you are going in terms of I don't know either geography or distance in time. Yeah. Uh, but that can take four plus hours to go anywhere. So you really have to watch. You really have to make sure you know where you're going, or you're not going to survive. Now, there's a key to this game that I think a lot of people. I've watched a lot of comments on this. There's a key to this game a lot of people don't don't get. Okay. And that is the game, how how the game was shipped when it was released, okay? In the box, you had the discs, you had the instruction manual, but you also had one important resource, the New American Desk Encyclopedia, okay? Mm-hmm. This is vital, unless you're a, a time, unless you're a genius of history, uh, because there is some pretty obscure stuff in here that I've never heard of. Now, Boat, you're a, you're a, well, a well-educated gentleman, I don't know how often you had to go onto the web. You know, to it's, out it's what's funny. Going when on. I started playing this game, uh, my first thought was, I'm not going to use that desk encyclopedia. Yeah. I got it all up here, baby. Yeah. Well, guess what? I don't have it all up there. There's a, You're not kidding. There's some obscure stuff for a kid's yeah. game. I mean, let's be honest. This is a kid's game. And the reason why, of course, is because the game, 
half of the game is teaching you about history and historical events, but the other part of it, and the reason why this is such a great, legitimately great educational tool, is it teaches you how to do research. It teaches you how to cross-reference. When you have a paragraph, it teaches you what words to focus in on and look up, and that's a really important research skill. Yeah, absolutely. This game... Unless you are uh, the Mac Daddy of world history, you've got. I had to Google all kinds of stuff. Some of the stuff I didn't even know what they'd stolen. I'm like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, what? What's? What is this? So the encyclopedia is is uh, uh, necessary, and it is quite brilliant uh, because mm-hmm. yeah. now, uh, listen, this is a game of its era. But and some of you younger folks may not know this, but back in the day when we needed to learn something, we had to go to a book, to the library, to the encyclopedias you had. Uh, in your in your house, you had to go there. There was no other way to get this. And when this game came out, that's the way you did it. And so uh, it was vital, like Boat said, to have excellent research skills. Otherwise, when you had papers and stuff due, you could spend all night at the library trying to figure it out. If you just sat there, you know, scratching your head, you needed to know how to do this stuff. So it was it was an excellent uh, move, and it also gives this game. A, uh, it gives this game a feeling that you don't normally get in a game of just it's just like it could be anything. You've got you know mm-hmm. you've got an entire encyclopedia and these and they don't mess around in this game. They draw upon all kinds of stuff that you really need to look up. Uh, and yeah. you could think you think to yourself, oh, it's a kid's game, you know, boat and air, and these guys are idiots. You're half right, but <laughs> uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, this game is a uh, broad in scope. I believe I read. That it has like I think you can play through eighty-eight villains in this. I mean, there's tons. Wow. And I mean, you go. It's yeah. And something else they don't do. You're probably thinking to yourself, ah, I could probably ham and egg my way through this wrong, because there are plenty of twists and turns that require you know where you're going, and you could ham and egg your way through it, but eventually you just run out of time, and you'll yeah, lose. Yeah, and, and that's, that's where that, the time the element thing. comes in. The, t- the time element is what makes this a game. Because otherwise, you're just kind of you're just sort of going through it. But being under the gun really makes you have to pay attention to every single thing that people say. And if you if you go off into another thing that's great about this game is that it doesn't make you go down wild. Like if you go to the wrong place, all of the people there will be just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, they'll they'll say everything, but you know, dude, you're in the wrong place. So you know immediately when you've made a wrong turn, which keeps you from getting too frustrated and wasting too much time. Yeah. 80 criminals. Now let's let's break down how this works. So you go back in time to the place they sent you. You're looking for the item. Well, what you can do is you can you can uh, interview people. You can uh, you can look listen to an informant. You can scan the area to see what kind of stuff pops up that way. And the whole time you're also building a you're building a description of the character you're after because you're not even sure who you're after. So. Someone might say, listen, this guy uses a lot of peroxide. I saw that. Like, well, that means he's got blonde hair. This guy had deep blue eyes. And you're building a, a character profile of the guy. And eventually you can hit the analyze button. It'll pop out who the guy is. You have to do this because at that point, that's when the, the uh, your office will send out the capture robot. To right. To so add- that that's the thing. The first time that I played this... It was actually one of my most successful games ever where I, I didn't use any any help. I just the game just happened to give me stuff that I knew. And yeah. I was like, this game is going to be a piece of cake. Yeah. And I went and the, the criminal was running around. I was like, Aha, I got you. But guess what? I didn't get the I didn't do any of the warrant stuff. Right. And that's 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 you, half the game. You have to do it. Something else you'll notice is as you progress 
So once you have interviewed everyone you're going to interview, you've scanned, it gives you the option to travel to the next place. Well, <clears throat> the next place you travel, you would have gleaned that from the information you had gathered in the current place you're at. Well, mm. it gives you four choices, and sometimes it will give you the same place. It'll say like, uh, it'll say like uh, 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 the UK, and then the UK again, but it'll have two different times. Right. And you can, which, so you've got to know, not only do you have to know where you're going, but you have to know when you're going. Exactly. That, they didn't have to put that in there. That makes it much more difficult to do Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So once you go to this next time, if you get there and right away, uh, uh, you'll see a little thing pop up. It says a vile villain has been detected. And a guy will pop up in a costume, the musical play, and you'll see a guy go like, or a girl. That means you're on the right track. That's right, how you and I'll know. tell you, it's funny because I played this with on, on an emulator, but it was an emulator that emulated the disc sounds, and it brought me back so much to when I was a kid playing this in elementary school because when you when you when you know that you're on the right track, the disc will spin up to load that that yeah. vile henchman thing. So you actually knew before you saw it. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> so so you actually played this exact game when you were a yeah. kid, but that's outstanding. Yeah. So when you go to a time and you don't see the vile henchman. You've screwed up because everything you ask, they'll be like, oh, let me, it'll, it, they'll tell you effectively that you've screwed up. And when you screw up, the more messing around you do in that area, that it, it just takes more of your time. Right. So, and then you've got to get back to the point where you can figure out where to go. So basically a bit, a misstep in this game is almost uh, the end of the game. It's you, hard to come back from traveling yeah. to the wrong place. And it's if you really get, hard. you can actually get to the point where you just say, "I'm aborting the mission," and then the chief's right. like, "You're an idiot." Here's another mission. Yeah, but you it's know? good that they put that there to keep yeah. you from just having to run down the clock. You know, something I noticed that I found interesting, boat, was that the uh, copy protection check doesn't come until after the first successful mission. Yeah. What did you think of that? So <laughs> That's when I was diabolical. a kid, when I was a kid, we played this game for hours and hours and hours yeah. because you can. Because you don't, you can enjoy the game without the copy. Because we didn't have the new desk encyclopedia, we didn't, we didn't have any idea what that was. And um, but whenever we would we would happen to solve the the mystery, uh, you know, it would say, well, you you failed the copy protection. Back to the title screen, you know, yeah. or whatever. And uh, so what this allows you to do though is whenever you do uh, complete missions, you actually rise in rank. And uh, you yeah. get promoted, and your score actually is recorded in that Hall of Fame. Right. So the copper protection allows you to save your progress and do all that sort of thing. Uh, but this game is completely playable without it. And I don't know if that was on purpose, since it is an educational title. Maybe they figured that you know kids would get so into it that they'd want to uh, you know to to get the full version just so they could save their high scores. I don't know. For a game that sh- effectively. It is a, a basically a static screen that shows you pictures and, and text. This game's highly addictive, Boat. I'm yeah. an adult. Yeah. You may not believe this, but I am an adult man. Okay? And I was, uh, much like uh, previous uh, weeks, I wasn't licking my chops for a round of Carmen yeah, you, you told Diego. me you were not excited about this at first. And so, but I do like, I like high levels of baloney. And, and I like the <laughs> fact, and this game, like, uh, it did. It, it scratched my itch. The the time thing. It actually feels like it works to me. Mm-hmm. The time thing works. Like the time machine element. There, it's very free form in a way, which I like. And as an educational title, like I I can tell you right now, I was, I was thinking, so I mean, I could get the I could get the boy on my son on this, 
and yeah. and, and let there's, him there's go. an element there's an element of pressure of luck involved here too because yeah. okay like you can talk to the first person the witness and you can figure out where you're going to go but then you're like well, what if I talk to the informant because maybe the informant will tell me something about the what the criminal looks like but when you do that you're wasting time yeah so you got to make those and these, these are choices that end up that's that's the hallmark of a good game is making you make those choices yeah it's it's very, I mean, it's a minimalist game to a certain degree, but it's very cleverly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the, the uh, time machine is very well, the, the illusion is well implemented. <clears throat> the, the fact that the, the vile henchmen come out, sure, that's a good way to tell you where you're at. But also, there's a certain element to that that I like, because these guys are time villains. I always thought that was right. cool, you know. And you're and you're you know you're on the right track when you see one, you know. And they come out. They remind me of the guy from Pressure of Luck, you know, the whammy. They just mm-hmm. kind of come out and do something stupid, and they leave. They don't really affect you. I never got to a point in this game where I was hurt, right? But they they, you, they build up how dangerous this job is. Right. So I like that because that's all subterfuge. Basically, they're they're, they're pulling a con on the kid. Yeah, and it's working. Yeah. They're, they're pulling making the, the kid into learning. Yeah, that's they're the making the kid think, "Oh man, this is this is some tricky stuff." And the fact that a kid would have to sit down with an encyclopedia and it, and want to do this and play a game, I I think it's quite brilliant. Honestly, yeah, I agree. I, I ran agree. into a little bit of uh, repetitiveness, you know, mm-hmm. as you're going to see in these sorts of games, but it wasn't sure. horrible. And I sat down and played through probably. Oh gosh, I went through probably ten guys mm-hmm. boat. Uh, yeah, and, I and, played about as much. I played a lot of this this week because, like you said, it's addictive. Yeah, and ultimately, basically, the end the end game is when you actually track down Carmen Sager herself. I didn't come close to that. I did not either. Again, there's eighty <laughs> people in this um, boat. This may be this may stun you, but this game sort of got over uh, with people. Uh, it got a Cody Award for the best home learning program. It was entered in the Mac. World Game Hall of Fame as the best adventure game of 1990. Uh, from the time it was released in 89 up to January 21st, 1990, the game sold more than 100,000 copies. Mm. It was the uh, it was the best-selling game during the 89-90 uh, Christmas season. This is across all platforms, of course. Um, this thing went they went bananas. Uh, it was pretty much w- widely acclaimed as being just this awesome game, and you can see why. It's just it's a great game. I mean, I could go through all the accolades, but I mean, like Newsweek and Compute, everybody was like, "Good God, it's great!" Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and as now the only place that didn't put it over, I think this is sort of funny, and you can see why. Nintendo Power gave this three point two out of five. I can see that, and the uh, Power Play uh, review for the Genesis version gave it fifty seven out of a hundred. Because wow. people that have a Super Nintendo or a Genesis don't want to get out the encyclopedia. That's but right. They're I can dumb. tell you that right now. Uh, but um, anyway, I, I, you know, it's funny. I wonder if the if the console versions even came with the encyclopedia, because there was no need for copy protection. You know, well, I wonder I, if you were just on your own. I think I'm pretty sure I read that they did. Okay, I, 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 was, I, I had no idea. I can't now, I imagine that. that. It'd have to this happen. game was released. There have been two games called Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. Oh yeah. Uh, the first one was released in 1990. The second one was released in either 1997 or 1998. Yeah. It's a completely different game for I believe Windows and Macintosh, hmm. and it basically is a uh, it it turns the game uh, from a, an edutainment title into an edutainment title that's a point and click adventure. So you, okay. instead of solving cases you basically progress through a story and history with different you know in different locations you use items on other items uh it's 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 much more generic 
than than this title is. But uh, by 97, 98, you know, it was clear that this style of game probably wasn't going to cut it with the kids anymore. And they needed to do something that was a little bit more up to date. So uh, I didn't play it, but I checked out a YouTube video of it. Yeah. It looked OK. It was just a different kind of game. Speaking of that, I, I went ahead. Uh, and this is sort of uh uh, apples to apples here, but I, I looked up the Genesis version of this or the Mega Drive, and it is—I mean, it is. If you look at them together, they're very—they're almost. Uh, you probably could pick one out from the other, really. Yeah, the only difference is that the AD is a, is is a different color. For some reason, that that jumped out at me. The uh, the Genesis and the the um and the uh, the the Amiga version are almost the same, but the Super Nintendo version looks different. Uh, the colors are almost the identical, but the the buttons on the Chrono Skipper are, are a different size. Yeah, you really see a difference when you look at the eight bit versions, of course, because you're dealing with a lot fewer colors. The NES version doesn't look nearly as attractive. Uh, it, it, the 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 color palette it, it looks very very muted. The C sixty four version, of course, looks like garbage. Uh, the Apple II version looks pretty good because of the way that they do the dithering. Um, but the Amiga version and or the DOS version is the number one way to play this game. Of course, the Amiga version you want to play because you're an Amiga fan. But yeah. uh, if you fire this thing up on ExoDOS, you'll also have a good time. This thing's a winner, though. I mean, on the Amiga, yeah. it's, it's a winner. Now. Yeah. This may surprise you, uh, but there were not a lot of reviews. In fact, there were no reviews except for Lemon's review that I found. Uh, and the people of Lemon uh, give this a 7.27 out of 10. Did we get any Discord action, Boat? We did. We did. We got quite a few uh, Discord reviews this week for Where in Time is Carmen San Diego. Uh, we lead the charge with one Ricky DeRocha. He says the fourth installment of the Carmen... Oh, and we should say that Ricky is a huge Carmen San Diego guy. He has all of the games boxed complete. He's a collector. Um, he says the fourth installment of the Carmen San Diego series opens things up by adding in the element of history in addition to geography. One solid plus is that since this is history-based, it avoids the problem of the other games of some of the geographic facts becoming obsolete. Like the other Carmen games, this game features nice graphics, cool music and animation, as well as the usual touches of humor. If you love the other Carmen games or are interested in the history, then this is worth a look. However, as an edutainment title, this is pretty hardcore, and I wouldn't recommend it for younger kids. 9 out of 10. I agree with all of that. Frodo NL writes, If one only wants to play one of the Carmen games, this is the one to go for nowadays. Historic facts change a lot less quick than geographic facts, which means this game is also still suitable for children nowadays. As with just about all Carmen games, the presentation is good with quite a bit of sometimes cheesy but who cares humor. This one is one I still actually play at times 8.5 out of 10. And finally, Graham W. Vebke writes, This game follows the same formula as the previous games in the Carmen Sandiego series and why change what works. I first experienced these games on the Apple II, and playing on the Amiga is a similar but enhanced experience. While I personally prefer the world version in the series because it's more approachable, the time version is more difficult for sure, especially if, you're not that, if you aren't that into historical things. The game now feels a touch too repetitive and has humor that doesn't work as well as it might have back in the day, but otherwise, well worth a play, 7 out of 10. So the Discord community, they are in agreement with us, Aaron. I will say, uh, they brought up a good point there. Uh, with this game about the history, the world history sort of never changes, and right. it, this game is ever is uh, is ready to go at all times, evergreen, if you will, because you can go back and play this, and that those facts still hold true. It's it's a it's a, a great thing, 
And yeah. I definitely, this is going to be one that I, I belly the boy up to. Because the one thing about it is it's not difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just you make the right choices or the wrong choices. That's and, right. And, and you instantly know if you've screwed up. And yeah. you will learn a thing or two. Uh, and when you can make a game interesting and fun and educational, you've got yourself a winner. All right, Aaron, it's time to leave Where in Time is Carmen San Diego and move on to our community segment of the week. What's been going on over on the old YouTube channel, Aaron? Oh, my gosh, but we are, we've got buckets and buckets of stuff here. Why don't you talk us through this one? This was the unboxing of a bunch of Amiga stuff, the app yeah, damage of so, that. Yeah, uh, so one, one of our favorite people in this whole wide world, the Level Lord, uh, sent us a box full of Amiga goodies, all kinds of flight sims, submarine simulations. Uh, there's a Chaos Engine collector cards, all kinds of stuff. But, the, of course, the, the bell of the ball was the bottle of Gorky List, that fine, fine Serbian booze that I chugged repeatedly during Coco Talk the next week. Have you killed that already? No, no, I've still got I've probably got a couple swallows left. Save some there. of that for your boy here. Don't forget about me. <laughs> All right, man. I will. I will. Yeah. Thank you very much, Level Lord, by the way. We yeah, really thank appreciate you, man. That. That, was, that was awesome of you. Um, Boatster, moving down the line here, finally, after, after a couple weeks of Massive amounts of editing, Boat, uh, yes. which I'll be doing again. Uh, guess what? Bam! It's it's the International Computer Club meet the third meeting. I finally got this thing put up, uh, and it is up. So uh, uh, if you're interested in going back through this, and I've actually managed to uh, cut out all the screw-ups, which that took a while, and I managed to piece back together all the uh, uh, parts of the video, like L. Curtis Boyle's presentation, with the proper visuals. So uh, if you if you did get to see the whole show or you didn't get to see everything as it was supposed to be, uh, that would be the way to go. Uh, and we uh, we had a great time with the old computer club this time around, didn't we, Boat? Yeah, it was a great time. You know, I I always look forward to the ICC. It happens, you know, so a a couple times a year. Yeah. And uh, it's it's always great just to put so many faces to names of people that we see on Discord. Yeah. See what other people have picked up. You know, nobody wants to hear about what you and I have 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 picked up over the past couple months. But man, it's so cool to see what everybody else has added to their collection. Uh, I always enjoy that. Plus all the hardware, all the hardware talk. Uh, there it's a little bit of everything for everybody. You know. And I will say, I've already been contacted by a couple people who are interested in doing presentations for the next unscheduled International Computer Club. So we are already starting to stack up some of that. And like I, I told this before to boat, and I've told this to a lot of people, this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, if everybody wants to get in on the next one, we haven't scheduled it, but we will. I'm looking late summer for the next one. Uh, we're looking for anyone that has a product to demonstrate or uh, or they're, they've made a game. You know, we'll, we'll be more than happy if you'd like to demonstrate uh, your hardware, any of that stuff. It's all good to go, plus the usual regular uh, stuff. Uh, it's wide open. We don't have any qualms about anything, do we, Boat? No, no. Every, every, everybody's welcome as long as you are, uh, as long as you've got something to show off. There you go. Speaking of show-offs, Boat, I, I direct your attention toward uh, last week's ARG Presents Myself and the Brent, who's the biggest show-off I know, Boat. And th- and this time around, it was games that you type in. Type in games. Now, let me tell you, much like Carmen San Diego, I was not exactly licking my chops for type in games. <laughs> this turned out to be 50,000 times more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and we've gotten a lot of... Uh, I've had a lot of messages sent to me, and we had a lot of response on the, uh, from uh, people that watch the video about how... 
how much they dug and what and about the kind of stuff they used to type in. We talked about this in the show, but but there was a time for some of us way back in the day where once you typed in your game, that's all you had. When the game was gone, when you turned off that machine, the game gone. You didn't have it. You had no. I didn't have a tape back. I would have Jack Squat early on. So we've typed in a ton of games back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it was and, all uh, fun. You know, it's it's funny because the games that you both of you picked were so much better than most of the games that I typed in when I was a kid. Um, you know, Gopher Smash looked great. I mean, for a type-in game, of course, it's yeah. Coco 3 only. Um, but Brent's game, you know, I... I sort of did the game a disservice because I, I played it without reading the documentation and I didn't yeah. realize the whole being able to fill in the tunnels thing. So I sort yeah. of missed out on what made that game cool. So both, both games seemed awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, Brit's game was deceptively entertaining despite its flaws. Hey, both these came from Rainbow Magazine. We bid both these on the Coco. So if you're into like, just watch a couple goofs reminisce about typing in games. By the way, this is the first game Brit ever typed in, Boat. So I felt like we accomplished something, if anything. Um, Let's talk about, (laughs) here we go, Boatster, Elevator Action. This one's taking off like a rocket. Talk about it. So Elevator Action was our last episode of our Sinclair uh, that uh, we we decided to take another look at uh, this arcade port. And I will say that this is one of the more impressive arcade ports that the the ZX Spectrum received. Uh, It looks great. Uh, it plays well. the The rule set is is it's not I, an identical rule set, but the the, the game moves pretty quickly. Um, and uh, I was thoroughly impressed by this game. Um, and uh, obviously, lots of other people were too, because it's it's got some good action on YouTube. Uh, did you like this one, Aaron? Well, as I mentioned in the show, this is a, for me. I'm I'm more a little more uh, uh, picky when it comes to this game because I'm such a fan of the arcade right, original. Right. And I thought this game, in a lot of ways, it surpassed the original musically and and graphically. It really is almost really surpassed it by a good. But but the gameplay wise, mixed bag. Still a lot of fun. And if you were looking for some elevator action on your on your ZX, this is definitely the way to go. I had fun for on this one, uh, Boaster. Uh, so uh, moving along, <clears throat> ask the amigos. We did one of these, and uh, uh, as usual, the questions were uh, entertaining. We had a good time with this one, Boat. I mm-hmm. believe we were both having a couple uh, adult beverages as we went through these. Ones. It was yeah. fun, though. Man, these are always a good time. I'm always amazed at, at the amount of questions we get in, in, in a short span. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah. We, I always ask the amigos. Always a highlight of the month. Uh, if you haven't watched this one yet, check it out. It is the March 2021 edition. There you go. There you go. So. Uh, next on the docket here, uh, you posted this for the purposes of uh, uh, showing the masses the brilliance of the Patreon band. And yes. uh, this was last week's Patreon song, and it was great. Of course, instantly YouTube pounced on it, demonetizing <laughs> everything within its... That's right. Pixels was so close in singing to the original that even by singing the Patreon names, it still flagged it. So it's quite still, a quite It still remarkable. grabbed it. So yeah, hats off to the Patreon band. A special hats off to Refi for doing the mix and for Boss Man for doing the video editing. That's a that's a quite a job. Uh, next in line, if you want to watch Boat actually play uh, 20 minutes, half hour so of Carmen San Diego, here you go. Uh, this is the boat going through. Boat is this? Was this your first go through or one of the later? No, ones? no, no. I'd played it many, many hours before yeah. that. But I wanted to. I was looking online and there really wasn't a good playthrough, uh, so I decided to just put one up so you could use it. All right, so here we go. Our good buddy Jack Flack uh, has cranked up Sprite Castle plays Barbarian one and two. Now you know me, uh, boat. I'm a big fan of the old Barbarian. 
Mm -hmm. At first, Barbarian was the was the bomb, uh, and Barbarian two less of a bomb, but it's it's interesting. Uh, but Flight goes down the line on these and gets a little uh, playtime in. I was actually. Uh, watching this stream for the most of it. And it's all, like I said, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Anytime Flack does a stream, it's always entertaining because aside from the stream, you get it's just wacky story time with Flack, and that's never a bad thing, Boat. Yeah, man. Good yeah, stuff. Man. Good stuff there. Uh, oh, here we go. It looks like Hermski is back uh, with a The Long Way Home Adventure Volume 1, Part 1 to 8. Walkthrough. So, holy smokes. Yeah. He's going to work. Hermsky's patience is unbelievable to me, Boat. Yeah, he he he. Uh, this is another classic uh, Spectrum game where you got the text on the bottom and a picture up top. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just another another. And again, this comes from the 1648, the cassette uh, magazine that uh, that he's covered uh, in, in previous episodes. So yeah, check that out. You know, I'm going to say these Spectrum games. They they're they're. Uh, these games that were a magazine, so they, they seem so far away from what I used to type in. They mm -hmm. just look so much more professional. Maybe yeah. I just was, I don't know what, maybe I was just bad, I picked the wrong games, or who knows what, because that one looks really good. Here we go with our good buddy, Frodo NL. This, uh, one of his series of streams, and this one, uh, the Amstrad CPC, the first year, uh, playing games from 1984 on the Amstrad. Now, I don't think I caught... I may have caught a fragment of this, but I did catch a little bit. And let me tell you something. Uh, the Amstrad had some decent stuff in year one. I was kind of surprised, actually, uh, at some at the quality of some of this stuff. Did you get to check any of this out? I haven't watched this one yet, but uh, just from the titles that you're flipping through, I mean, the Amstrad is clearly superior to anything else that was on the market at the time. It was just at the mercy, as we talk about for you know with everything else, it was at the mercy of you know horrible Spectrum ports and things like that. But uh, I, I love the colors of the Amstrad. The the what's possible on the Amstrad, if you look at what people are doing with it now, I mean, blows any other 8-bit micro out of the water. So this was sort of like the machine that the C64 should have been. I will say, I, I would agree. Well, I don't agree with that last part because the C64 was a tippity top of the heap. You know, last week you were wearing the C64 shirt. You were putting it over like gangbusters. And now you're killing it. Killing it. Don't listen to Boat. I like to see... I got one right here. These things are fine. But the Amstrad untapped potential that's finally being tapped. Frodo goes in and shows you what what, uh, what it looked like the first year. Now, like I said, I think there was some pretty good stuff in here. And Frodo, of course, another he's another brilliant streamer. Uh, lastly on the docket, Boat, I did a stream last Friday of just oh, yeah. random stuff, Boat. It was random stuff. It was glorious. I loved it. Well, it was great. And, and so Especially telling, that Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen game that you're playing right there. I, I was telling Boat, I was like, you know, I went through and edited this stream because I had some, you know, the usual technical problems and some stuff that didn't work. And I had a nice, slim, trim, hour and 50-minute stream. And I thought, heck, I'll go ahead and put this up. And I, I uploaded the wrong one. So what you're seeing here is the full stream in its entirety, complete with all the warts. Uh, but uh, we had a good time just playing random crap, uh, taking up, taking uh, uh, ideas from the chat room who were held my hand every step of the way. Look at this weird game, Boat. Yeah, that <laughs> was game, on the CPC, I think. This is a real strange game where you try to build a Auto car. Man or something yeah, like that. Yeah, car <laughs> man. stuff. Uh, Boat, uh, what did you, what do you and Neil have cooking this week? So this week, the biggest story was probably the, uh, the story about the, uh, Twitch, 
uh, banning revision because of some uh, there was uh, they they were showing some some stuff that had some nudity in it, and Twitch has very 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 strict and detailed rules about nudity and what's acceptable and what's not, and uh, somebody reported them. It's the same thing. It's the same old story. Where, you know, these big companies, you know, people say, oh, they hate revision. Listen, Twitch doesn't care about revision. Twitch, revision at its peak was pulling in 6,000 viewers. That's like a mid B to C level streamer on, on Twitch. Twitch doesn't have anything against revision. But when somebody reports nudity and then they screenshot it, Twitch automatically takes you down. That's just how it works. So... You know, what Revision, in my mind, should have done was gone with one of these European-based streamers that have a little bit looser control over, you know, what's going... They don't have the iron fist of content moderation that Twitch does, but, you know, Revision wanted to reach the widest audience possible, and sometimes when you do that, you got to pay the piper. Let me tell you something about Twitch, all right, as we, as we broadcast on them. The name suits the platform right now because they are very twitchy and worried uh, the stuff with the uh, with the record companies really uh, put them in a tizzy, and so they are very they're double double tough right now on streamers, and so you're right they took a chance, it didn't work out. Them's the breaks. The good news though is that they uh, there was a, a, a German outfit. I can't, actually that that might not be true. They I think it was called the Chaos Computer Club. Ooh, Somewhere in I Europe, like it. they had they they were able to get the stream back up. The stream was in better quality than it was on Twitch. So uh, probably in the future, I would say they're going to stick with them, and it's for the best because then they can show whatever they want. I mean, if not for nudity, what is the demo scene? <laughs> Listen, I for one. It seems to me that a, a band of demo makers getting banned from something, that sounds about right. That's right. what you, that's what I right. kind of, that kind of gives whole idea of making cred. demos is you want to make something edgy and cool to show off to your other edgy and cool buddies. So. That's right. Their street cred is intact, Boat. Yeah, yeah. That's all we got video-wise, my friend. All right, man. Well, let's uh, go on towards the uh, the end of the show where we start to thank all the fine, fine folks that make this show happen. But before we do that, Aaron, I wanted to mention that I've you know I've been posting these polls on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the the one that I posted last week was all about last week's game, Nebulous. You know, Aaron, you had very, very critical thoughts about the uh, the character, the mascot character of uh, of Tower Toppler. He sucks. Uh, Nebulous, uh, yeah. Mr. Pogo is what I like to call him. Yeah. Um, and so I just I just posted a, a, a thing. I said Pogo, cute or lame. Well, Aaron, I've got to say that the vast majority of our YouTube audience agrees with me. Seventy-seven percent of the people that answered the poll said that Pogo was cute. Only 23 said he was lame. Let me ask you a question, Boat. Who do you think the poll voters, where do you think they live, mostly? Uh, I'll tell you I, where. I don't know. Europe, the okay. UK, the places right. where the ZX were king right now. Mm-hmm. Have we not, over the years, decided that the the mascot scene is hideous? Okay. Yeah. So it is sort of it is sort of Stockholm this, syndrome over there in Europe with the mascots. When you compare I will say that. Mr. Pogo to say the caveman or some of these yeah. other idiots that they've got. Right. I mean and Pogo looks com- like a freaking bronze Greek god. That's You're right. right. You're but right. if you compare yeah. him to say I mean he looks like a, a discount blue light special Kmart Cubert, right? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't fit the game he's in. I can understand yeah. why they would vote for him. Sure he's cute compared to double garbage, for example. Yeah. yeah. So You've you got go. a point. So I, can't, I don't, I can't I don't hold a grudge. That. So anyway, be on the lookout on our YouTube channel for another poll 
for next week's show. Mm. Now, let's talk about all the fine folks, Aaron, that help us out by subscribing to our channel on Twitch. You know, we always have a pretty good crowd watching us live, but lots of people check out the videos on Twitch after the fact. That's the place where you can see the uncut version of the podcast every week. And uh, and some people just prefer going to Twitch over over YouTube, and that's cool. Uh, so uh, we can, uh, we can uh, thank... All of these people, Mitsuyama, Macintosh Librarian, Pints and Amiga, Uram, Eeyore4077, Jfer, or Frodo and L, sorry, get ahead of myself, JB Dark Anubis, uh, L, Curtis Boyle, all hail, Mr. Sebastian, Level Lord, Gary Heather, Yolo Wookie, Texas Footballer, Nah, Crabs, MTG, Drummer, 48K Ram, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, Jason Warns, Lord Soup, Uber Scuba Diver, Retro Jerry, Peeplo, Rob, Flack, O'Hara, Lamatza, Negsol, Wide World of Retro, Am I Steph, Super Famiking, John Marshall 3, Captain Chaos DK, Jigglebox, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on Twitch. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Now, Aaron, last week, of course, the uh, the Patreon song challenge, we always get lots of responses when it's a full band song because the effort is so monumental and the results are so spectacular. Uh, it was I Want to Break Free by Queen. And I would like to congratulate the following winners that wrote in. Rob, Flack O'Hara, In Like a Bullet, Frodo NL, Not Far Behind Him, Mitsuyama, Barkbit, Matthew Perron, Zorglub, Craig Sharp, Bernard Lucas, R-Typer, Gary Heather, Packbilly, Jigglebox, and Edvin Helland. Well done. Uh, congratulations one and all for getting that uh, Patreon song. Now, Aaron, uh, we're getting ready to play this week's Patreon song challenge. And if you know it, fine listeners, then send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and I will announce you as a winner on next week's show. All right, Aaron, let's hit it. Retrocast 
but not when I'm seen Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison Paulette and Rob O'Hara Matthew Armore Andy Craig Sean Tobach and Rowan Bird Andrew Marks Joe the Zombie McKillon Alan Kebab Checo De Lord John Marshall Matthew Perron Ricky DeRocher Beat that boy Biggie, CDZ, the slow Norris. The Funks, Morgan, Morton, Edwin, Helen, Blinko, 75, Christopher Hassle. Rabbi Abbott, Chris Foles, Warren, Jeru, Bram, Adam Mattis, B. O'Brien's retro and vintage, Gary Hucker. Paul Boston Harrington, Duncan Styles, Dave from the crib, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Domi, Homebridge Dad, Daniel Bixon, Brutal Barracuda, Derek Cole, Jason Warren's Pixels, Don and Gold, your Marmon. Hideous. An insult. You know, some people say that it's impossible to strain your vocal cords while singing. I disagree. I don't think I you felt have great vocal after cords. that. I, I I felt no pain. I definitely could talk normally for you know the hours that immediately followed that recording. Ironically, I fine. felt pain as soon as you finished re- that recording. <laughs> I, I I felt great pain. It still lingers, mode. Absolutely horrible. All right. So, Aaron, uh, you know, one thing that I forgot that we need to circle back around to is our high score challenges over on Discord. We got uh, two high score challenges going right now. One is on the Amiga. One's on the Spectrum. Uh, the first one is this song or this this uh, this game called Top Hat Willie. Uh, I put in my score for this game today. This is a really cool uh, um, manic minor jet set Willie type takeoff. Um, that uh, is a it's a newer game, of course. Uh, and uh, Barkbit is leading the charge here. Z9K9 for once, not in first place. So congratulations to Barkbit. This is going on all the way till the end of the month. So feel free if you are a fan of Top Hat Willie or any of the games in this genre, you should definitely give this a go. This is on the and ZX. On, th- that, that's on the that's on the Amiga. Oh, okay. On the ZX side of things, we are playing the Adams Family. Oh, this geez. is uh, another game that we we looked at uh, earlier in our Sinclair. And uh, the, it just started, so not a whole lot of scores yet. So you can get your score in there, and uh, it's it's always a good time. It's a good way to see how you compare against the rest of the Amigos uh, retro gaming Discord community. Very good. Now, Aaron, next week it is Shooter Week on the Amigos. Okay. And we are going to be playing Fire Force. Fire Ooh, Force. Aaron. Fire Force. Okay, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, sounds pretty Have cool. Have we played that boat? I don't remember that one. I don't think that we've played that one before. So, of course, we want to thank our illustrious Amigos Game Selection Committee 
for uh, choosing these games for us. As always, if you'd like to join in the fun, head on over to patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. That gives you access to our Discord, uh, gives you a, a nice magnet at the end of the year. And if you join at the Amigos Game Selection Committee level, you can help us choose the games that we play each and every week. They're two for two on the edutainment uh, games. Yeah, Who yeah both those both? games have been great. Both times we, I, I've been like, Honestly, no. I thought this category was going to be a big dud, yeah. but uh, I've had fun with both these yeah. games. So. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, Who knew? no kidding, man. Now, Aaron, before we go, we would be remiss not to recognize all the fine, fine folks that have joined us in chat. Normally, we record this show Fridays at around 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, but uh, we uh, were unable to yesterday, so we're recording on a Saturday, so uh, we've got a, uh, uh, but we still had quite the crowd to join us today so we'd like to thank uh duncan styles and pixels at dawn gaming for being excellent moderators they're there you know as the channel gets bigger we get more and more scumbags wanting to come in and uh and and pitch their you know uh male pattern baldness treatment so they've got to give them the uh the, the old did you write vote, those did you write you know those down saying. for us boat <laughs> <laughs> listen i don't know why they always come after us what are they trying to say <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got with us Abbott and Costello. They both joined us from Beyond the Grave. Uh, Amiga Cammy's here with us. Amiga Gamer 1200. Amiga Live. Atten. Beach Bum 7. Big Cortana. Bitstorm. Brock 101. Carbob. Cobrian. Commander Root. Kajorni. Da. Crabs. MTG. Drummer. Edvin Helland. Euler's Object. Frodo and L. Jigglebox. Gingerney. Hamo 1. Hermski. I am Paul H. Bossman. Ice Wizards with us. Oh, yeah. man. That's cool. Ilmidius, Jamaki, Jason Warns, Join the Effort, Kasserin L. Curtis Boyle, Mitsuyama, Nick Marr, 68, Olav Hope, Paul Kitching, Picard 2010, Pinguito, Art Hyper, RetroRewind.ca, Rob O'Hara, Snapkeep241, TomToms, uh, VNK, Vigoro Pros, Yanni Yak, and Z9K9. Thank crowd. you guys so much for tuning in live for Amigos this week. And, Aaron, I'm looking forward to Fire Force. It's going to be a fun shooter. Uh, If you are watching us live, don't go anywhere because we are going to be recording next month's Ask the Amigos immediately following uh, this recording, so stick around. But if you're listening after the fact, we will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.